Hello and welcome to Ask The Strap. Today I'm here with Rosie and Sean and we've been talking about how best to implement YouTube into your marketing strategy and where to best use your creative. start talking about uh, YouTube videos because obviously I am the one that creates the content for it but I'd just like to get a bit of insight from Sean because she's the one that does all of that and it'd be really good to get an insight on how it works and everything like that. So first of all I'd like to start off with talking about in-stream videos for YouTube. Uh, they are the ones that are 30 seconds long right and you've got five seconds that you have to watch it and then you can skip yeah so mm -hmm. you well you've got two different options with the in-stream ones you've either got skippable in-stream ones which are where you get the five second skip option and then you do have non-skippable ones which are, i think max 15 seconds long yeah okay so let's talk about the 30 second long ones then so with that five second rule thing um how often do people stay and watch? Because obviously I'm, I make this content and think about the fact that you've got five seconds to grab their attention and then they have the option to skip. So when doing YouTube videos, we always try and make sure that the message comes across really quickly in the first mm -hmm. five seconds. It's engaging, it looks good. Um, and obviously there's a level of targeting to it as well. So you know that the people seeing it are kind of interested in mm -hmm. that. But yeah, how, how often do people stay and watch the full thing? Um, so what's really useful in the Google Ads interface, you can actually see if someone's viewed 25%, 50%, 70%, or if they've watched the whole video. Mm. So once we've put a video out there, it's not really like, okay, we hope this video is going to do all right. We can actually monitor and see how well this content's performing. And then if we're finding that it doesn't get viewed more than 25%, we can think, okay, well, we need a little bit of a better video here. We can mm. come back to you, change a little bit of the creative maybe, try out different things. Um, I think we find, because I know when we create the videos, we usually go for a, a rate between 30 and 40 seconds, because mm -hmm. if someone actually watches more than 30 seconds or the entirety of your video, you'll pay for that view. Um, if someone skips the video, you won't pay for the view, or if someone uh, finishes watching the video before 30 seconds before it's ended, you won't pay for the view. So we always try to target it between that 30, 40 seconds, which also keeps the video quite short. As well. I think it's quite interesting as well because you say about being able to skip the video and how like five seconds isn't necessarily very long and people may skip but I actually think that's a massive advantage over what you get on the likes of Facebook and Instagram mm. because they aren't forced to watch anything at all so and you pay per impression rather than per actually somebody seeing the video through yeah. in any way so you actually are guaranteed five seconds whereas on Facebook we know that a lot of people drop off after two seconds yeah. very true yeah. and if someone watches for only five seconds we don't pay for it either yeah, so yeah. it's, it's You've almost essentially free got... marketing <laughs> and I think it's amazing that it's actually free as well even if they watch 25 seconds then yeah so they've still seen a lot of the video and probably learned a lot about what it is and the company that it is because that would have come up yeah um so that's quite amazing that you can still get it for free even if they watch most of it yeah it's it's really good for brand awareness as well if it's the first time someone's seen your brand if they're seeing 25 seconds of your brand then they're go most likely going to remember it as long as your yeah. content then is memorable makes a bit of an impact on mm -hmm. them i see cool and so when i've made these videos for you in the past so we make the 30 second long one and then we make the bumper ones that you were talking about so a 15 second one and a six second one mm -hmm. um do these like what I've done for you in the past, I've just done like shorter versions of the long video. Would it 
be beneficial ever to do different videos for the bumper ones because are they like a remarketing so you remarket those bumper ones to the people that have watched a lot of the 30 second ones yes what we'd usually do is kind of start with the longer video get the people to see a bit more of the brand Mm. then maybe if they've enjoyed the video stayed watching the video show them a 15 second video and these can be non-skippable so you kind of force them to watch the 15 seconds and then if they're still kind of you think they're going to convert kind of a good audience um we can then show them bumper ads which are maximum six seconds long which sounds really short but i think when we've actually made them you can get quite get a, a bit into, into that. them you yeah. really can yeah um and i do agree that if we made some spe- made ads specifically for the bumpers rather than just shortering a video that we already had before mm. you can make some really good content and get a lot of, a lot across in that six seconds yeah um, I've got a bit about competition for ad space and I think it's something that's becoming increasingly a, not a problem, but kind of a challenge to overcome on whether it be Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. I think it's something that's starting to affect every platform. The sort of digital advertising on the whole, like the popularity of it has increased probably tenfold in the last five years. Mm-hmm. So the most recent stat from Facebook suggests that one in every four pages that exists are now using paid for content. So if you can imagine, there's only so much time that people spend scrolling through news feeds and stuff. So there is a limited amount of advertising space. Mm. And obviously, as the demand increases for that, the prices for it, the prices like sort of per impression or per share rise. Mm. And like as a result, we see ROI fall and stuff. So kind of wanted to touch upon like ways that we can get around that on the different platforms. Mm-hmm. I think YouTube is something that not a lot of people are using yet but it has a massive audience. So they get 1.8 billion users every month, which is insane when you think about how many people there are actually in the world. So this massive audience, not that many people are using it yet. And we're seeing that the cost is kind of reflected in that. We can get cost per views of a penny. We can get viewable impressions of a pound. And some accounts where we've had managed to get millions and millions of impressions for a really, really low amount of money. Yeah, and it's interesting because it's, it's a site that people are visiting because they want to see video content yeah. and they, they may not be expecting to be advertised to but they are going there with the intention to sit and watch yeah whereas on facebook instagram they're quite often going because they want to see what their friends are doing or they want to yeah post 100%. a picture themselves so it's it's i think it's a different way of advertising it has i think it's somewhat less disruptive because people are there and they're watching yeah i don't feel as bothered when i see an advert on youtube as when i do on facebook because like you say you're on facebook for the social side of it Mm. and in a way you are on youtube for just to watch something fun Mm. but yeah you i don't mind it so much on there seeing a little advert before my video it's not as it's almost similar to tv and everyone is kind of used to seeing ads when you're watching TV or watching mm. content that you want to see and then you sit for five minutes and you watch ads. And I think because it is similar in that way, people don't mind being advertised to on it so much. You just kind of expect it. Yeah, I think when it first came in, I know I remember when it was, I was like, why am I getting this ad on YouTube? But I think it's become a lot more common now. People are just used to it. Yeah, mm. I remember when it used to be a thing where you'd be annoyed that you were getting forced to watch an ad yeah so oh five seconds until i can skip and you would literally just be like waiting for the skip button to appear yeah but i think we've all become sort of really conditioned to expect yeah to have that kind become of normal now yeah. yeah and there is definitely an a, sort of an element of that five seconds has to really grab my attention for me to not just be like oh the skip button yeah, yeah. but I've i think if you can achieve video. that then mm. people are definitely kind of more captive yeah mm. that kind of goes on to something else that i've got written down which is 
obviously people go to YouTube to watch something, so you know they're listening, um, so you know they're going to hear your advertising. Whereas with Facebook, a lot of the time people are scrolling through, they haven't got the sounds on their phone, they're at work, they're on the train, uh, so they're more likely to see adverts without the sound. Mm -hmm. So I was intrigued to know whether you should create completely different content for the same client for YouTube as you would Facebook because should your YouTube one be more of a vocal thing? I've seen some YouTube ads where it's literally a person speaking, saying, have you tried this? It's great. And just talking about it, whereas you, could, you wouldn't do that on Facebook because of the sound yeah. issue. With YouTube, you've got that kind of direct contact with a person. You know they're going to be listening, so you can just speak and then you don't have to include subtitles as well, which mm. you would on Facebook because you kind of know that people are going to be listening to what you're saying, they're going to listen to music, you can put some really jazzy music on there, I know we've done before, that it just grabs people's attention. Mm. And there's, it, it is, it, there's similarities, but I think there are a few differences as well in the way that it works. Yeah, I mean, for Facebook, quite often we do a lot of text-based um, videos, like text animation, and that works well on there because obviously people will start reading it without the sound, mm -hmm. whereas I probably wouldn't do that so much for a YouTube one because... You, you don't need to. Yeah, I almost think with YouTube, you're probably more likely to get people who are listening but not watching. Like, yeah, mm. yeah, that's, that's true. Like they might glance away from the phone because it's an ad, but mm. you've got that kind of option to grab them with sound. Yeah, it's like the opposite. It's the complete opposite, really, isn't it? Yeah. And people aren't really expecting to sit and read text on YouTube. No. You're not there to read, you're there to listen. No. So watch. The more you make it like the content they're watching, the more likely they are to sit and watch it and take yeah, it in. I think it kind of comes back to the point we've made in sort of previous podcasts about really thinking when you shoot a piece of content, where is this going? What does it need to look like? And making it so it's really tailored to where it's going to end mm. up. Yeah. There's, there's no doubt you can make content crossover. Like if you shoot something for Facebook, there's no reason it shouldn't work for YouTube and Instagram, but it's kind of making sure, okay, will that crop to a square? Will that work with subtitles? Will that work without mm. subtitles? It's really kind of thinking about tailoring content. True. And Sean, with YouTube once again, so if you know somebody is about to watch a music video that's heavy metal, for example, could you then create an ad which relates better just for that specific video or that a, a, video, a few videos like that? Yeah, so it all comes mm. down to kind of the way we can target it. So you can use placements as targets on, well, it's through Google. Um, where you can say, I want my ads to show on before this video. Or you can you choose them. particular YouTube channels as well. So mm. if you know you own a tea company, you can put your ads on channels relating to tea. And you know that people are going to be looking for that content already. And then they'll get your ad and you know they're going to be interested in it. Yeah. I think it's quite interesting, these different platforms that are now kind of amalgamating what's good about Facebook and what's good about Google and putting them together. So like YouTube, you can target by keyword and interests. Mm -hmm. Same for Pinterest. You can sort of, you can mix up your targeting. You can target, okay, I know this person is interested in tea. So I could have, no matter what they search, I could have my tea company appearing. But then I can also have when they're like, oh, recipes needing tea. Mm -hmm. I can make sure I'm definitely, definitely in that search. Cause mm -hmm. I like, to, you can sort of bid higher to be on search terms. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think the benefit of using the keyword targeting for YouTube videos as well is that 70% of the viewers on YouTube are on there to solve a problem. They're asking questions. So we can target these questions in keywords. In the video content, give an answer to the question. You've offered them something, so they're more likely to actually come click through to your website and mm. you know, hopefully convert maybe later down the line. Yeah, and I think that would work well with the kind of thing that we do for our clients and ourselves, where we are 
just people talking about our expertise. Yeah. So when you've got somebody Googling about marketing or about accountancy, having a person talking about it and like you say answering the question mm, yeah. is brilliant. It's amazing how much loyalty you can create just by offering somebody some advice for mm. free with no sort of yeah. obligation to buy from you but you yeah. offer them you could just say like oh this is the best way we found to do this why don't you have a go or alternatively come to us if you want. So. Yeah. yeah. You've answered their question before they've even watched the actual video that they went there to see. Yeah. I'd much rather when I'm googling things asking questions about something quite complex about financial things or mortgages there's so much information out there and I just get a bit overwhelmed with it all and I can't be bothered with reading everything so I'd much rather just sit and watch somebody tell me it it's, mm. it's more engaging I get bored reading things so mm. it's a better way to answer a question I'd say than yeah. just an article or something yeah how different is the targeting between Facebook and YouTube is it because I feel like I've read somewhere that the, the targeting on Facebook's a lot more specific and like you can get a lot more of a niche on there. So, like I was saying before, uh, YouTube and then also Pinterest have both kind of amalgamated what you commonly get with Google with what you commonly get with Facebook. So they've kind of taken Facebook's on a very interest-based targeting. So you can target people who have been browsing pages that are to do with, for example, marketing. And then we would want them to watch this podcast because they're interested in marketing, we know that. Um, whereas on YouTube and also Pinterest, you can take the kind of what was originally associated with Google, like the search terms, the keywords, and then plug that in alongside interests. So I think the targeting, while you might not have, YouTube probably hasn't got as much data on people as Facebook has, because obviously Facebook is just a massive data collection hub. Every mm. time you put something into Facebook, they're collecting it, they're pairing it to your profile. Yeah. So it doesn't have quite that level of, it doesn't know you as well, but it has got the benefit of having that kind of keyword targeting keyword that you thing. don't get with mm. Yeah, Facebook. so they've both got their own benefits. Yeah. yeah. So what we've seen increasingly this year, I think more than previous years, is like the sort of big players in the game, so Facebook obviously owns Instagram as well, kind of constantly punishing algorithms for business pages and making it harder and harder to reach audiences. So what we've seen over sort of recent months is more and more businesses opting to use an Instagram personal profile. So rather than having like a great a business profile where they've put ads out from, they're advertising from personals, which means they get the benefit of that the, the reach that you would get when you were looking at your friends rather than a business. Um, you also can use new features such as that kind of close friends targeting, which means you can make people feel kind of more involved with the brand. But also because Instagram, like rather than running a plat plat ad platform straight from Instagram, runs it from Facebook, you can still run ads even if you're working off a personal profile because mm. you can just run ads from the Facebook profile on Instagram. So you kind of, it's not like Facebook where if you decided to set up your business as a add me as a friend account mm. you couldn't run ads on instagram you can kind of bypass that and get the best of both worlds interesting mm. sounds like you might have to make the most of that while it's still available there sounds like yeah. a little kind of sidestep it's you a little gray around. area yeah, yeah and it's quite it's interesting tackle. to watch some of the bigger brands kind of using what would normally be considered a personal account rather than um, so targeting on across all the platforms so youtube facebook anything um i know sort of in the past it's been that kind of temptation to be like okay I'm a tea company I'm going to target everybody in the UK who's interested in tea and then all of a sudden you've got like 2.3 million people in this audience and you've somehow got to reach them all with a message that 
applies to them. Mm. With a small budget as well. With a, <laughs> yeah, and no doubt you're trying to spend £5 a day and reach 2 million people and I would like them all to convert and buy in an ideal world. So I just wanted to talk about how sort of practice has changed and how sort of advertising to these, rather than ad- advertising to this massive pool, you're kind of much better to segment that audience down and down again and down again and kind of maybe start off by targeting 10 different audiences and just spreading your budget across and then working out what works and then segmenting the ones that work again and then segmenting them again until you're advertising to possibly 5,000 people but they're the best 5,000 people Mm. for you Mm -hmm. and it kind of and then that affects everything it affects how we can like mold creative for these people yeah definitely so going back to the example you just used there then of a tea company how would you and you get your you get the people that are interested in tea how would you segment that even further down like how how would you do that so obviously we can start with really simple things sort of geographically do they fall within south of england north of england very simple you've already sliced your audience in half mm. you can then go okay are they men or are they women you've now split it into four you can then say okay i want below 30 above 30 and all of a sudden you're breaking these audience down into that, mm-hmm. And that's without going into kind of interest targeting. That's literally just breaking them down by demographic. Yeah. So you can break your audience quite easily. And if you don't have the benefit, if you have the benefit of sort of five years of data about who your customer is, you can quite well refine that without the need to kind of split test these all against each other. Mm-hmm. But then you can start saying, okay, I want people who are interested in tea and cats. And, and then, all of a sudden you've got yeah. like okay, now I know what my creative should look like. Yeah, I was going to say, then you just have to do with creative with tea and cats in it. (laughs) Yeah. And then it will appeal to them more. (laughs) Yeah, so you can all, like, all of a sudden you can start breaking these audiences down and getting them, so they're a a lot smaller, but you know so much more about them and kind of the better you know Mm. your audience, the more you can tailor and make content that's going to interest them. Yeah, that makes so much sense, actually, because, like I've said before, the more relatable a video is to you, the more likely you are to engage with it and keep watching it. So yeah, that's and brilliant. it's one of those things where not everybody has a million pound budget to reach a million people, mm. but you don't necessarily need to. And what you kind of, as a small business, the advantage you have is that although you don't have the budget to reach a million people with one advert, you can reach people better and you've actually got the time to spend sort of getting to know your customer base, getting to know who they are, getting to know what they like. And you can invest a lot more time into being really kind of niche yeah. which is what the great big players in the game won't be doing. Yeah, mm. yeah, exactly. And that's something you 100% can't do with TV advertising. Yeah. Like, or exactly. could you do it? You couldn't really do it with YouTube advertising either, could you? Well, could um, you? Mm-hmm. I'd say to an extent you can, mm. I think, because we kind of have five different ways of um, targeting on YouTube. So we've got kind of the in-market audiences that Google kind of define, defines already for us. And um, we've got T-Work... <laughs> We're talking brain. about tea. <laughs> <laughs> that one We've got keywords, topics, and then we have got demographics as well. So if mm. we see, oh, it's more women than men, we can um, say take men out, or we can do bid adjustments on there as well. So we can say, I want to pay more for women to come to my website because I know they're more likely to convert. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's like it's almost like the kind of everybody's gone out on that kind of like mass marketing, and it's. It's one of those things that I think is still a bit of a relic from putting billboards up and slamming your advertising over the side of buses. And now everybody's shifted to digital, but they're still just shouting out to everyone. And it's kind of that rise of like really micro, like hyper targeting, really sort of getting down to like the who is your audience. Mm, It almost seems silly that people aren't using this targeting to its full advantage 
Yeah, like, and I think it just, again, goes back to the, oh, well, I used to just stick a billboard on yeah. the side of the building. So, but you can do more now. Facebook's allowing mm. you to do more, so yeah. do more. And I think it's, again, just trying to always remember that, although, yes, it would be lovely to have 100,000 people see your advert. Mm. If none of them buy it, it's, it's a useless It'd be better to have... 5,000 people, 5,000 of the right yeah, people. Yeah, honestly, it'd be better there. to have 50 people buy if they convert at 100%, yeah. mm. rather than having 100,000 people see it but none of them buy. I yeah. think people just think, oh, it's reaching so many people, that's great, so many people are seeing my things, but it's not always yeah, as good as it sounds. It's making your ad spend, making sure it stacks up and making sure you're actually getting that return. Yeah. So I think from what we've spoken about, we've gone a lot into targeting, and I think it just shows that you can't just be working off of one creative anymore. You, Based on the targeting that you've got, you can do multiple different creatives for those different target audiences yeah. mm-hmm. and, and niche groups that you've got. You yeah. can't, you shouldn't just use one thing across all now, should no, you? No, and there's so many, pla- it's picking your platforms, picking your mm. creative, picking your audience. There's so many choices to make to get the right. There is. I think some people are probably a bit overwhelmed by it all, but it's probably not as scary as what it sounds. Yeah, you don't have to use everything either. No. No, definitely. Like, I would actively recommend people don't use everything. Yeah. Try them all. Yeah, yeah. Like, them all a little go. And you kind of, you can benefit greatly from putting a small budget into everyone and then being like, having a sit down at the end of a month and being like okay which one of them worked yeah yeah Yeah, just test them one at a time ease yourself in rather than doing them all 